Aretha was about powering me <laughs> because I'll tell you, she gave me incredible power at the news because they they couldn't believe you know the assignments I was able to document, and they would say she invited you to her Home birthday party, and, yeah, right. and and I think as women. She knew I was just starting out. I met her when I was 29. She was 40. And she, you know, was this my first year as a columnist. And and she really wanted to help me. Mm-hmm. And she did. I really encourage people to, to save these photographs by printing them. Mm-hmm. Because we don't know how, what, you know, something crashes and there, mm-hmm. there goes your life. And well. it's a one-way ticket back to your memory if you have the printed photo. Hello everyone, welcome to Powering Up, a cross-generational conversation about leadership and power through a female lens. I'm Ann Doyle, author of Powering Up, How America's Women Achievers Become Leaders. And I'm Monica Doyle. I am the younger generational voice of this podcast and Anne's niece. Our guest today is nationally known Hall of Fame photojournalist who has divided her career between capturing most human sides of some of the most famous people, personalities of our time, as well as teaching others, particularly the young people, to express themselves through photography. Linda has just released her latest book, The Queen Next Door, Aretha Franklin, An Intimate Portrait. Welcome, my friend, Linda Solomon. It's great to be here. Thanks, Anne. Thanks, Monica. You know, our very first episode of this podcast, which we've been doing for just over a year now, um, was right after the death of Aretha Franklin uh, and her funeral and everything was here in Detroit. And uh, we interviewed many people who knew her well mm-hmm. um, or were standing in line for hours, mm-hmm. you know, to pay their respects at her funeral. And Linda, I know uh, you were one of the very lucky people who knew her quite well. Um, so tell us about how you got to know Aretha Franklin and began what turned out to be a very long working relationship, but also a personal friendship with her. Well, thank you for asking me. I met Aretha in 1983. At that time, she had just moved back to Detroit, and she wanted to be with her family. Uh, sadly, her dad had been shot in a robbery, and he remained in a coma. And Aretha was living in Los Angeles and came back to be with her father and pray for his recovery and also, of course, to be with her family. And I was a columnist at that time with the Detroit News, and I heard a promo that Aretha Franklin was going to be a guest on a local talk show, Kelly and Company, a very, very popular talk I show on that. Channel 7 in Detroit, ABC. And I called the producer and I said, do you think I could try to photograph Aretha and maybe interview her for my column? And the producer said, well, you can try, but we have no idea. I mean, just do what you need to do, Linda. And I did. I waited outside the studio for Aretha to arrive. And when she arrived, um, she got out of her limousine. And I said, Miss Franklin, first of all, thank you. Thank you for coming home. I have loved you my whole life. (laughs) And she said, thank you. I said, I am a columnist with the Detroit News. May I take one photograph of you? And she said, yes. And so the first photograph in the book is the first photograph I had taken of Aretha where she's standing against the wall at Channel 7 outside the studio. 
And as most photographers often do, I said, we were walking in, <laughs> I said, Aretha, I understand you're going to be playing piano and singing. Uh, may I take just two more photographs? <laughs> and she said, of course. And I followed her in and was able to photograph her in front of a very, very small studio audience. Imagine seeing Aretha Franklin with 75 people in an audience. Right. And she accompanied herself at the piano, and there was nothing more magical than seeing Aretha at the piano and singing, and I was able to capture that, and that's also in the book. And I did a story. I was true to my word for my column. And shortly after, I walked into the Detroit News Accent Department, and there was a pink slip waiting for me. Now, this was the pink slip that was old-fashioned that would said, while you were out, and then checked off, this person called. Okay, not the pink slip not that the, means you don't work here no, anymore. No, it was the old-fashioned pink note that would be left for you if you... Like a had, telephone message. Exactly, sort of. but you, you know, those are obsolete now. Yeah. But so I saved it, believe it or not. Wow. And uh, it said Aretha had called you. And wow. I couldn't believe it. Wow. And I put it in a scrapbook. <laughs> and um, I called back, and her number had already been disconnected. Oh, my. <laughs> so she would freely give out her number. So I must have over 150 telephone numbers for Aretha Franklin because wow. she was giving out the number, and then you'd call back, and it was <laughs> long gone. Constantly <laughs> So, But I was able to connect with her. And she invited me to a private reception at Mary Young's Manoogian. Okay. residents. Mm -hmm. And at that time, she was talking about a benefit concert that she would be doing at the Westin, which is now the Marriott Hotel in Detroit. Mm -hmm. And it was right on the riverfront, right on the riverfront. And it was going to be a medical trust fund concert for her father. Mm -hmm. So all proceeds would benefit his medical trust fund. Mm -hmm. And she invited me to cover that. Okay. But that was the life-changing assignment, and it was life-changing because she brought her entire family with her. And I was able to meet her sisters, Carolyn and Irma, that were her background singers, her cousin Brenda, who was her background singer, her uh, nieces, Sabrina, who has written the afterward to the book, her niece Crystal, who was 10 years old, who is now 42, and... Uh, her wonderful brother and manager, Reverend Cecil Franklin. And after meeting her family, mm -hmm. they included me in so many special things. And mm -hmm. it was uh, incredible to receive a Christmas invitation. That was the next invitation I received to her private Christmas party. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget receiving this beautiful invitation that, that was accompanied by a handmade violin. And I saved everything, so I put everything in a scrapbook, and I've included her invitations in the book mm, okay. because I felt I wanted the book to look like um, an album that she would have on her own coffee table. So it includes the first column I did, like, you know, when people would cut out a column, mm, newspaper right. article, and place it in a scrapbook. It would include her invitations, and she personally addressed her all her invitations, which is pretty amazing. So I saved even the envelopes where you could see her handwriting. Oh, and my I, gosh, you I, are a saver. I am Historian. a saver. Well, it's Aretha Franklin. Exactly. And uh, I saved all of that, and it was so exciting to spend Christmas with her. But I was pretty true to my word. I would only take a few photographs. So people mm -hmm. have been asking, what do you think is the key to uh, having her give you uh, 
you know, unprecedented access. And right. I think there are two keys. And mm-hmm. one is I never was in her face with my camera. Mm-hmm. See, so often today with digital photography, people shoot thousands. Click, 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 click. You didn't do that back then because I, I was shooting film. Mm-hmm. And I would, and you would take take time. Meanwhile, you you couldn't see what you were getting. Yeah. So, but yeah, I was shooting film, and I would only take one roll of film, which is thirty six photographs, mm-hmm. and then I would let her enjoy the event. Mm-hmm. And Leave the other key to, um, I think, our relationship and why she included me, I never ever pushed her family aside or did anything that would hurt her family I always included them like I would say Aretha can I take a photo of you with your sister Irma in the hallway with all your gold records and she said yes and she loved the fact that I included her sister because I have personally witnessed photographers push aside family, family mm-hmm. now we don't want you just don't just the big famous person. Exactly. And it's so hurtful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even at the Oscars, I've watched that where, mm-hmm. oh, no, no, we just want, you know, yeah. the favorite. And I think, how could anyone do that? And so with, with Aretha, I always included her family, and her family is in the book. So she would send me flowers, and she always signed the cards of thank you from Aretha and the Franklin family. Oh. Interesting. But, and... You know, I never, I never thought to do it any, any differently. So mm-hmm. I gave her family as much respect mm-hmm. as I had given to her. That's and a that word was too mm-hmm. respect, huh? <laughs> and that was the key, because she, she was very observant, very, very sensitive, and she could see that that uh, I respected her family and got and really became close to them and really loved them. I mean, her sisters were fabulous to me and her brother Cecil was her manager and really included me in um, in some of the most incredible assignments where when you know the Rolling Stones were coming to town and I'd get a call from Cecil Franklin Linda can you be here at 10 o'clock I'm there <laughs> can you imagine I was the only photographer when you know Keith Richards and you know Ronnie Wood pulled up in their station wagon and Whoopi Goldberg and I was the only one uh, because Cecil Franklin had taken the time to call and include me in all of these special things so I could have had a weekly column just on Aretha you know <laughs> at, because there were so many assignments and you know, and because of the theme of your show, I mean, Aretha was about powering me <laughs> because I'll tell you, she gave me incredible power at the news because they they couldn't believe, you know, the assignments I was able to document. And they would say, she invited you to her birthday party. Oh, and, yeah, right. and, and I think as women, she knew I was just starting out. I met her when I was 29. She was 40. And she, you know, was this my first year as a columnist and and. She really wanted to help me, mm-hmm. and she did. <laughs> well, and another thing that sounds really interesting about it, I can't help but think of it while you've been talking about all this stuff, is how very Detroit, you know? Yes. That she said, hey, come to my Christmas party, meet my family, you know? Yes. Because, you know, suburban Detroit is very much like that, you know? You're right. She was, yes, very natural. That's why I always say the book expresses realness Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know one of her famous songs is natural woman she was a natural woman she could you know just be her authentic self Mm -hmm. in Detroit and we would see her at Kroger's and we would see her at the big boy and Mm -hmm. you know I saw her at Kroger's one day and I went up to the cashier and I said you know Aretha's in the produce aisle and the cashier (laughs) said to me 
she's always here. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, she she loved Detroit, uh-huh. and that's why you know I, the book is published with Wayne State University Press. I felt that was what Aretha would have wanted. The book showcases on Detroit and what Aretha did for our city. I mean, she brought the music industry back in the 80s after Motown had left. Mm-hmm. And give a sense yeah. of that, because you said she came back in 1983. Yes, I mean, give 82, people, uh, 1982. Okay. Uh-huh. Give us a sense of how big was Aretha at that moment. Oh, my gosh. Well, first of all, she was huge. I mean, you, might, you have to remember, there wasn't a time in her life when she wasn't an icon. But the 80s were very interesting years in her career because she changed her style and she did Who's Zoomin' Who and Freeway of Love and Jumping Jack Flash and all of those great hits and that was a huge turning point for her the 80s. Mm -hmm. Why? And well first of all those hits with Arista Records I mean were Mm -hmm. enormous. And she was not Motown. I mean people think of never Motown. Motown. No she was Atlantic Columbia and then Arista but but she brought the music industry back in a variety of ways and I'll explain it. Anyone who wanted to perform with Aretha had to come to Detroit. Mm -hmm. She was not leaving Detroit. Ah, So she came home. She did all of her specials from Detroit. She did all of her music videos in Detroit so she was hiring musicians, florists, caterers, and she was creating the music industry again for Detroit. And I will tell you that, you know, even celebrities who wanted Aretha to perform had to come to Detroit, and I'll give you an example. James Brown, the godfather of soul, was was doing a special, and he wanted Aretha. And the only way she would do his special is if he did the entire special from Detroit. Wow. So he had to bring everybody to Detroit to do mm-hmm. his special mm-hmm. because Aretha was going to be one of the guests. Now, the other guests included Robert Palmer and Wilson Pickett and Joe Cocker, mm-hmm. and they all came to Detroit, and she let me photograph the rehearsal, and she wasn't wearing makeup. She was in sneakers and jeans. And, <laughs> but wow, that, that would turn that. out to mm-hmm. be an iconic concert because it was on the riverfront in a very small club, Club Taboo. It's no, it's no longer there. And it was the only time the Godfather of Soul performed with the Queen of Soul. So it's considered her one of her most iconic concerts. But it was televised for a special that you can still Google and see. Then when she was nominated for her American Music Awards, she did it via satellite. She said, I'm not going to L.A. Yeah. So she said, Linda, I'm, I'm going to be doing the American Music Awards. you want to come? I said, I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> so she let me stand backstage with her while she was going live. So you can look at the video where she accepted, it's YouTube, her AMA Awards, and you'll then you can look at my photos, and you'll say, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm in the dressing room with her. She's on a she's wearing a sequin mini barefoot, and she's accepting two AMA awards via satellite from Detroit. And this would turn out to be the last appearance she ever did on the AMAs. Wow. Yet she was nominated and years for years and years, but this was in 1987, I believe, and that was the last time she ever appeared. But it was from Detroit, and she insisted upon it. Well, and I, I can't help but remember being a kid in the 90s, you know, uh-huh. and mm-hmm. my mom was always so scared of being in Detroit. I was living in Venezuela at the time. Oh, wow. And yet we would come back here, and my mom was terrified of being in Detroit. We see Detroit now, you know, and it's become so much, you know, mm-hmm. but 
the, the things she did, you know, bringing people who didn't want to be in Detroit. You're right. No, Detroit. and they all did. They all came back for her. In fact, the director who did the AMA said to me, and I interviewed him at that time for my column. And when I was putting the book together, I, I had to go through all my old columns so I'd remember half this stuff. And some of it's 40 years ago. But he had said to me, you know, I had the opportunity to either go to, um, I think it was Japan with Madonna, or come to Detroit <laughs> to pre- direct Aretha. And I came to Detroit. Mm-hmm. Aretha and Madonna, there's no contest. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> but, but they're both from Michigan. They so are. anybody doesn't realize Madonna's that. Madonna's from Michigan? Yeah, so Rochester. Rochester. Oh, I yeah. she graduated but she from Rochester High School. But I understand, yeah. Monica, why you would say that because she doesn't do anything for Detroit like Aretha That's did. The difference. Yeah. Aretha was constantly doing everything. The book shows how she even answered the telephone, taking pledges during an Easter Seal telethon. Oh my gosh, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine calling to make a pledge and you hear Aretha Franklin's voice? So when you mentioned you didn't know about Madonna, because Madonna would never do anything like that. Mm-hmm. Aretha was always giving back. There are photos of her in the book where she's dancing and singing in the aisle of, of the Kmart dining room because she was doing a benefit for the DIA. Mm-hmm. And here you see Aretha and the people are turning around looking at her and she's right here with you. Yeah. So she was always giving back. In fact, uh, there were so many benefits that that I didn't include because there was that she did so much. She did a benefit for Cranbrook schools that she went to someone's house and people were asking for autographs. Mm-hmm. She signed everybody's autograph. Mm-hmm. She was so giving and she gave her heart and her soul to oh, yeah. to our city. Lots of soul. Mm-hmm. But you yeah. know, will you explain to people mm-hmm. uh, who don't understand? They think of Motown music as Detroit music, and mm-hmm. it's not the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so, I mean, and also, for example, people think of Diana Ross. Okay, Diana Ross and the Supremes are from Detroit, but right. Diana Ross has never come back and right. given back to Detroit in yeah. any way, the way no. that Aretha has which makes her so loved uh, here, but also all around the world. But will you explain that to people about why she didn't go to Motown? Because my understanding about this is Aretha was bigger than Motown. She was. Well, you know, when Motown was just starting, Aretha was already a huge star. Yeah. So it, it just would not have happened. Yeah. But she was extremely close to the Gordys. In fact, at the first Christmas party, Esther Gordy Edwards, who was the founder of the Motown Museum, was at Aretha's party with Bobby Gordy, you know, her brother, and, and of course, Barry Gordy's brother. So it wasn't a split. There was no, no, no. And they were very close. And Aretha was extremely close to all of the Motown stars. I mean, Smokey Robinson was her brother, Cecil's best friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, Martha Reeves, who was at my book signing the other night, was very close to Carolyn Franklin and Aretha, Carolyn, Mm -hmm. Aretha's youngest sister. So Aretha was close to all the Motown stars, but she was a huge star when Motown was just beginning. You know, um, we could spend the whole time talking about Aretha Franklin Mm -hmm. and this gorgeous book that has just come out called uh, The Queen Next Door, Aretha Franklin, uh, An Intimate Portrait. Uh, but we also really want to hear a little bit about you. Oh, so uh, I've known you. I mean, you and I are friends. I've yes. known you a long time. Um, but um, tell us a little bit about um, how it was that you got into photography, Linda. Oh, thanks, Anne. And you are a wonderful friend. You live the message of helping women powering up and, and helping us all power up in our careers. You know, I think you know photography was just a natural thing for me because I was given a camera as a child, and I just loved it. And I always tell 
parents and you know of uh, or grandparents buy a camera for as a Christmas gift because it's a gift that kids will continue to grow with and never grow tired of. So uh, I was always the kid with a camera, and then you know starting as a journalist. I love celebrities. <laughs> I just, you know, my dad was a musician, and it was his passion, and it was his greatest love. So he would take us to all these concerts, and I had the opportunity to photograph the Supremes when I was a little kid. Ah. Never could photograph Aretha because she was already in New York and L.A. then mm-hmm. when Respect came out, but certainly adored her and loved her. But um, had the opportunity to meet the Four Tops and photograph them as a little kid. So photographing celebrities just seemed to happen naturally because of growing up in Detroit. You know, we had the ability to go to the state fair and take photos of our greatest stars because they were performing there. It wasn't expensive. My parents would take us and we'd wait backstage and I've got all these photos from the time I was a kid. <laughs> Another book. Yeah, little, the little photo, the photos taken as a little kid. But, you know, so that seemed, you know, I guess um, just like fun for me to photograph celebrities. But, you know, things just, you know, progressed and I started freelancing and created assignments where I would photograph celebrities and it it, I guess it was unusual and then was hired by the Detroit News and continued. But that also led to uh, a career. I believe you are one of the um, photojournalists uh, who has longest been invited the to the red carpet <laughs> at the Academy Awards, right? Well, I, you know, I applied for credentials when I first had my column at the News, I think in 1982, and, and sent my column and they accepted me and continued to photograph the Oscars for 32 years. So um, it, it was a lot of fun. Now I think they think I'm too old. I don't know. You know, it's it's strange. I mean, there's a lot of ageist stuff that goes on. But, oh, yeah. But, you know, with that said, I, I love doing it for the 32 years and certainly would like to do it again. But um, yeah, that, it was always challenging, too, because where you put your camera case down is where you stand for eight hours. So <laughs> it's, yeah. you can't move around and try to create something. So you really something. need to do this uh, at, uh, yeah, <laughs> again, right? Yeah, well, it's, it, but there's, it, there's, it's certainly fun and, and loved it. I loved it. But, um, but I want to also make sure we get a chance to talk about um, the mm-hmm. incredible work you've done for many, many years with children. Thanks. Started out with "It's a Snap," yes. Um, getting putting over the years over a million cameras into the hands of children. I don't know if you know about this, Monica. I, I was and, reading uh, a little bit in the notes, and oh. that sounds really great to me. I mean, I remember being a kid, and so as some people that listen know, I'm about 30 years old now. Mm-hmm. And um, as a kid, you know, some of these novelty cameras for mm-hmm. children were coming out. Right. And I right. just remember spending like hours with my brother taking just the dumbest photos, but they were so much fun. And nothing is really dumb, I mean, because you're really documenting things that are important to you. Good. They feel dumb, but we still have Oh, that's them. important. I always yeah. tell parents, also buy an album, a photographic album, so you can look back years later. And I think doing this book I realized because so many of the photos were taken close to 40 years ago if I didn't have the printed photo you know sometimes we just share them Mm. but sharing 40 years from now you may not be able to find what you shared Mm -hmm. so I really encourage people to print and put them in albums oh more importantly now because I am going to you know be candid with you I some of the detail here I didn't remember but the having the photo right in front of me brought it back 
Uh-huh. Like, like I just experienced it. But if I didn't have that printed photo, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have remembered some of the most special times. Mm-hmm. And so I really encourage people to to save these photographs by printing them mm-hmm. because we don't know how what, you know something crashes and there mm-hmm. you, there goes your life and well, it's a one-way ticket back to your memory if you have the printed photo well and i've heard this concept uh lately um you know that people forget to experience their lives because they're spending it behind the camera taking right. pictures right. of yeah. everything right. and all these selfies well but i propose you know an alternate view on that which is you know you can keep those memories in your mind, but you can also share them through a photograph, you know, Mm -hmm. and you recall things that happened around a photograph. You recall more with a photograph. You do. And the art of photography, if if anybody ever gets a chance to take um, a history of photography course, oh my gosh, history of photography courses are so amazing because you get to talk about pictures that you've seen for years and years and years. And find out. How, yeah. how that was taken. And that's what yeah. photography is. It's history. It's, your, it's history, and it defines history. I mean, you can look back and, you know, as I said, I mean, just, you know, um, for me, you know, what to do doing this book, you know, these were exclusive photos. And, and you know what's so interesting? I had a young woman journalist come up to me and say, you know, I've got to tell you something about this book. And she said, and I think, Monica, you're relate, but she said, a book like this about a celebrity can't happen today. I said, what do you mean by that? She said, well, they've already posted everything on Instagram. Mm. Even before a concert is over, hundreds and thousands of people have already posted Mm -hmm. all the images. Then the celebrities have already posted it. So let's say the Christmas parties that I shared with Aretha, no one had a cell phone. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Nobody brought a camera. And there's one photo of Levi Stubbs from the Four Tops with an old-fashioned vintage video camera. But see, no one, you know, was taking those photos. And, and then when people say to me, do you have a photo of you and Aretha? I said, I only have two because I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare have asked her for a selfie. It just what well, it wouldn't have been appropriate. Right. You know, I was there to document her. I have only two photographs of the two of us together. And look at how many times, you know, I, wow. I spent with her. So it was just a different way then yeah. and you know but back well, to and it feels you know, more genuine too it's more it is it because, is you know yes. we have these videos nowadays like they have these movies on like amazon of celebrities like doing these autobiographies about themselves and it feels so disingenuous doesn't it and and, yeah. and it's so self-promoting in many ways like i was watching a video um instagram of kate hudson and i really like kate hudson but she was posing and like she was promoting some kind of a, a product. I mean, it's so commercial. Yeah. See, Aretha would never have done anything like that. Yeah, like I mean, so just, we have nowadays what feels like love letters to themselves, whereas yes, a book like this is a love feels like a her. love letter to her. Yes. Mm-hmm. And thank you for saying it because I have described it that way. Yeah. People say, how would you describe the book? And I said, yeah, it's a love letter to her, thanking her. And, and also, you know, but my own feelings for her and, and the opportunity and how blessed I was to have gotten to know her and how our my path, my career path would cross at a time in her career when she was doing all these amazing things right here in my hometown, <laughs> in our hometown. Well, so. well and before uh, we run out of time, oh, I yes. want to make sure we get a chance to talk oh, yeah. about your Pictures of Hope program mm-hmm. because that's a, a spectacular program that um, is still very much alive. I oh, mean, yes. Tell us about that. Pictures of Hope is, is a uh, 501c3 nonprofit for children living in shelters. And we uh, meet the most incredible kids that are homeless and we give them cameras we ask them to capture their heartfelt 
hopes and dreams. They go off with noted mentors in every community. We create cards with the photos they've captured with their words. 100% of the proceeds benefit the shelters. Okay. We have exhibitions with their photographs, and the lives of the kids have been changed. It's been uh, incredible how one photograph can change someone's life, and I'll explain it in a second. But we brought the program to 52 cities, and the problem of child homelessness needs a lot of awareness because oh, yeah. people don't know that the average age of someone homeless in the United States is seven years old. Wow. That's, and there are 2.5 million children who are homeless. So with that said, we are creating awareness. We're dispelling misconceptions because the mothers are working mm -hmm. and can't make ends meet. Mm -hmm. The kids, when you ask them to capture their dreams, you don't see photos of iPads or things like that. The photos are wide-ranging from, I hope to see my mother smile again. I hope for my own bed. I hope for food. I mean, this is America, and these are the dreams that children are sharing with us. I hope to one day have people not look down upon me. And then a child, it, it, this was tough for me to read because it's, it's a difficult thing to ask for. And this one child in Cleveland said, I hope for help. That's a difficult thing for any of us to ask for. Mm -hmm. I need help. And we did give him help. So with that said, um, Dream for a Scholarship has been granted. We oh had a college president who happened to see me on television. I was selected by NBC Nightly News for making a difference. And he sent me an email. He said, I'm so moved by these children that are homeless. I want to make a difference. I want to help them. Mm -hmm. So we've granted uh, five full tuition college scholarships to homeless children and youth and and they're granted when they're young and they're now going to college and doing great and it's a one hundred thousand dollar scholarship completely paid for yeah by the college and then we've had other kids that have been granted scholarships by other colleges our the first child who was granted a scholarship was nine years old she's now getting her master's very dear friend oh of mine. my gosh that's yeah. amazing well Isn't and that it's amazing? like things like that are also the difference between you know a kid graduating from high school you know, if they get a scholarship when they're a child, then a child. it's like they have that to look forward to. Well, I think you, you've captured it, Monica, because it gives them uh, the hope. Yeah. I've got it. But, you know, the thing about that is they still have to have the grades. Yep. Mm -hmm. And they have to have the ACT scores in order to be admitted. But they know it's there for them. Yeah. They don't have to worry as long as they keep the grades. So it keeps them on the path of achievement. So you captured it perfectly. Well, and because I've, I've been to public school, you know, and mm -hmm. I remember going to school with kids who said, like, what do I care if I graduate from high school? I'm not going to college. See? Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, so if you can very simply change that view with, you know, a single moment, it changes their whole life. Well, the nine-year-old who was granted the full tuition scholarship to San Diego State University, wow. the Alumni Association saw her picture of Hope Card. Mm-hmm and granted her the full tuition scholarship. Now, her mother was living in the Door of Hope, Salvation Army. Her father was in jail. Now, years later, they are ministers with the Salvation Army. They, Their daughter was first generation to attend college. Wow. All of our kids that are on the Dream Scholarship are first generation. Pictures of Hope is a one-on-one -on -one nonprofit where you, if if you are helping us or you're part of our team, you know the people you're helping. <laughs> you meet the kids. You're there for them. You're mentoring. We are all about, we're here for you. 
whenever you need us. Mm-hmm. It's not just a foot in the door. It's more than that. Yeah. It, it, yeah. They're mm-hmm. my friends. You know, I, I don't have children of my own, but I have loads of children that have become very dear friends. Oh, oh I feel yeah. that. Too. Thank you. Well, and um, before we wrap up today, sure. uh, I had the fortune of going to see Amazing Grace at the <gasps> DFT. Wow. And one of the most amazing things that I saw in that video was all of these people that showed up to listen to Aretha sing Soul. Yeah. And also, oh my gosh, Mick Jagger was standing yeah. in the back. You know, know, he was one of the crowd and he was he wasn't there to take anything away from her. I remember the camera zooming in on yes. him and being like, He he's there to see the Queen. Yeah. It was amazing. But with that, um, what would you like to tell our listeners about Aretha Franklin that they don't know that you tried to capture in your book? Oh, what an, what an interesting question. I, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I just uh, wanted to share realness. People look at the photos, they're very candid, there's nothing posed, they're, they're just um, real. And so often you don't get to see photos like that. She never asked for photo approval, ever. You know, she let me photograph her on stage when she did her first concert with the DSO. She had no makeup on. And that's really unusual. Yeah. Because, you know, I'll tell you, when Lady Gaga came to town and there were all sorts of rules, and I I said no. She wanted to see every photograph before. I said, nope, not doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, so Aretha never asked for any of that. She trusted journalists. She let us do our job. Yeah. Wow. Well, Linda, you've had an incredible career. You have multiple fabulous books. Oh, I mean, you. you're Thanks, you're fabulous. Uh, you know, people we know, horses they love, oh. with Robert Redford on the cover riding his gorgeous horse. I think Anne bought more books than anybody else than my mother. <laughs> <laughs> You're the supportive uh, dear friend. Uh, and I'm going to buy this oh, beautiful book. It's a spectacular you. gift, too. So, um, you know, just uh, thank you so much oh, for being you're with welcome. us. And thank you, Monica. I love your questions. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Hall of Fame photojournalist Linda Solomon, who has just released <laughs> her gorgeous new book, The Queen Next Door, Aretha Franklin, An Intimate Portrait. Thank you so much for being with us. You're so welcome. Have a great week, everybody. I'm Ann Doyle. And I'm Monica Doyle. And let's all all go go power up. up. Thanks for joining us at Powering Up. We hope you'll subscribe and share us with your network. Ann and I would love to hear from you through the Powering Up Women Facebook page. And remember, power is the currency for getting things done. Claim yours and put it to work.